Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Well, it's episode 49. Today, we're going to kind of take a meta tack to a topic that's actually really valuable, which is how to conduct or how to hold or how to host an effective retro. Um, Retro is a concept that is basically short for retroactive, and it's kind of looking back at what you've done over a period of time. And as creators, I think we have this tendency sometimes to just move on to the next thing without really cementing the learning from the thing we just got done with. So we'll get into that. But as you know, we could not possibly get into today's topic without first checking in on red, yellow, green. So Nathan, how are you doing? Well, first, I think it's short for retrospective. Retrospective. (laughs) Red, not retroactive. (laughs) Um, But you proactively... Corrected me that retroactive is completely incorrect. Oh man! But you know, it's all there's all forms of of retros. You know, I think that if you have a good retrospective, then you wish that you could have made those changes retroactively. Oh, hey yo! All right, I'm trying too hard. Um, I am green today. Um, the weather has turned. It was supposed to rain today, but it is showing no signs of raining. We actually have a little bit of sun. The swamp is drying out. Um, I'm quite a fan of that. Um, I can get back to landscaping projects, which have me very excited. Also, I'm still just loving being in this tiny house. It's actually the tiny office is working well. Um, I bought some house plants. I'm going to get those set up. I bought some furniture. It's going to be good. So yeah, I'm quite green. What about you? Uh, well, let's see. Hmm. Based on my intro, I would say I'm green. Uh, it's been another good week of hard work. We had a um, really great team meeting this morning that I uh, facilitated on our core values as a company and kind of refining those. We're big on values-based leadership. And so it was just a really productive conversation with the team about how we can make those reflect who we really are and who we want to be even more. Um, we tried a new feature on Zoom called Breakouts, uh, which allows the team to obviously break out into little smaller groups. We had some hiccups, but... Once we got past or just ignored some of the hiccups, um, <laughs> a few people got completely left out, but you know, it's for everyone who got to participate, <laughs> I think it allowed for a lot more room for a lot more voices to be heard. So I'm excited to keep trying that out as just kind of a tool um, as our team grows and it's harder to speak up in front of that big group uh, with confidence. So anyways, it's been a good day. I'm excited for this episode too. Yeah, it was a great episode or a great episode. It was a great meeting. We should just live stream the all company meetings as well. Maybe we'll, we'll do that. Uh, side note, I now have this breakout rooms button and I, I like have a strong desire to click it, but it would just push us into two different rooms. Um, but yeah, it, it was, uh, you definitely brought the energy to the team meeting with poll questions and, uh, you know, intermissions or like, you know, it's basically the, the version of elevator music, but we were just looking at cute animals <laughs> while people were answering the poll questions. So it was good. Uh, well, maybe we'll teach people how to run effective company meetings and uh, tell them what not to do. Uh, anyway, so we're talking about retros, retro, retroactive retrospectives. And uh, <laughs> can we be serious today? I don't know that we can. 
So this is a tool that we use a lot. We've talked about other tools that we use, pre-mortems, you know, red, yellow, green. You're basically getting introduced to all of them. Uh, but a retro is just looking back and actually trying to lock in, figure out what the learnings are from a period of time and actually lock that in. And so usually we ask three questions. There's a bunch of different formats, but this is what we go with. What went well? What didn't go well? And then what do we want to change going forward or what did we learn? You know, like what are the takeaways? And so basically well, you pick a period of time and, and narrow it down. What exactly are you doing a retro on? Are you doing it um, on the last year? Uh, we always do them at team retreats of like, okay, the last six months. Um, all of our engineers do them on a product launch. Uh, so for example, or a product launch or, or say a feature build. So like they'll do a six week dev cycle and then they'll do a retro of like, okay, well, well, what didn't go well? And then what do we learn or what do we want to change going forward to really lock that in so that you're not just on this hamster wheel of doing more work. And so there's more tips and that kind of thing that we could give. Um, but I thought it'd be more fun if we just actually did one live, which would be fascinating. And I don't, I don't know how it's going to go at all. Um, but We'll do one live, put that into practice. And our topic is basically the last eight, 10 weeks. How long have we been in this? This is our 10th week of the podcast, which means we've been okay. in this state of things for maybe 12 weeks. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. So maybe, so that's what we're scoping it to is how have we done as leaders, as content creators, as a business um, in the last 12 weeks? So the first question is, what what went well? Uh, there's a lot. And there's a lot on the other side, too. Okay, so the first thing is, we weren't ahead of the entire curve, but we were certainly early adopters in terms of understanding what was going on in the world and the potential ways that could affect us as a business. So I think we did a good job of getting out in front of the best knowledge early on about how COVID was going to be affecting work and the economy and everything. That's There's nothing concrete there other than just like paying attention and then relaying that information. But I think that led to a bunch of other stuff that went really well. Yeah. I think just even not being a denier, uh, you know, we spent the two months beforehand, like watching this of like, is this going to happen? I think guys, are you seeing what I'm saying? This doesn't look good. Um, and so we weren't surprised by it. And that helped. Um, other things would be, we were just already in a good position. Um, I, I think we were really lucky. Um, a lot of it that values that we hold as far as profitability and remote team um, and being people first and those sort of things just became even more important. Um, the other thing that I would say is that went well is we took decisive action mm -hmm. in a couple of things, starting the show, uh, launching the creator fund and, and then I think really bumping up our, our free plan to 500 subscribers and just saying like, here, we're here for you guys. We're here for all creators. And then, oh, just taking care of our team of like coming right out and saying, hey, take care of yourselves and your family first. And we kind of had the approach of like, we'll take care of the Bear and I and whoever has capacity will take care of the company. If you need to take a step back, please do it. And it really felt like we were making big decisions and rolling them out like same day for like five days in a row. Yeah. Which was wild. It, it was just this, like, I was going to say roller coaster. It wasn't this roller coaster. It was like this thing. I can't think of the analogy. It wasn't a hamster wheel either. It was just like this crazy rapid pace. And, yep. and it was definitely tiring. 
I think one of the other things that um, came right in that same period of time was that we set out very clear criteria on when and how we would make the decision to cancel or not cancel craft and commerce. Uh, it's interesting because craft and commerce is still actually a full month from now, or it would have been rather. Yeah. But we said early in late February, early March, we said at the end of March, we will decide whether to cancel craft and commerce. It will be based on these three or four things. And we told ticket buyers that we told them very directly, here's how we're going to decide. Here's the date. We'll do it. And, you know, I think we had maybe one person who was a real pain about it, but everyone else was like, okay, cool. I have my expectation set and I know when I'm going to know. It is fascinating how much changed even since we made the decision. And I wouldn't change the decision. It's actually gotten even more intense. Right. Um, it'll be interesting to see where we are a month from now, but things start to might start to be opening back up. But what we know is that indoor events with a lot of people coming in from different places are just like one of the key places where, or key kinds of events where um, these things wanna. spread. Yeah. So I think we did a good job of communicating and then canceling that event too. Okay. So I want to dig in on something because we have the same problem with our team retreat. We have our team retreat coming up in mid-September in the UK. And so this would be a first international retreat. We're so excited for it. We splurged on the venue. Like the team couldn't be more excited. And we're now at like the uh, zero to 15% chance that it happens. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, it depends on who you ask. But the most optimistic you would get from anyone on the team is like, oh, they're like, oh for sure, 20% chance that it happens. You know? But something that we did with Craft and Commerce is we wrote down our thinking ahead of time so that we wouldn't end up with this like, what is it? Is the frog slowly boiling in the water thing of like, right. as it changes? Because our thinking was if by whatever date, March 30th, I don't know, there's over 4,000 cases in the US. It was something like that. And by writing it down, we could have clear thinking because when that rolled around, there was like 30,000 or 50,000 cases in the US. And it was definitely like a, that was cute that we thought that at that time. Right. But we didn't get into a scenario of, Okay, but with new information, we can still do it, right? Or if we make these tweaks. And so we, by like putting down our decision-making criteria, we were able to get distance from it. And that's something that we're doing now, um, really over the next few weeks of writing down our decision-making criteria for whether or not our team retreat will happen. So I think that led to like documentation in that way led to clear decision-making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um I was listening to uh, Shane Parrish's audiobook on, I think it's called The Great Mental Models or something like that. Shane is a, a ConvertKit customer and runs one of the best um, newsletters on the web. And he was talking about the fact that uh, in, knowledge, you know, in athletics, music, whatever, crafts like that, there are very specific things you can do to practice. Uh, you can shoot free throws until you make a thousand. You can practice on your cello until you have the piece down perfect. In business and leadership, it's a lot harder. Right. Component pieces aren't as clear, but decision-making is certainly one of them. And so he was talking about the value of documenting your decisions, evaluating them as you go. And so I think that's why this worked well, was it was us doing that. It was us taking a piece of what it means to lead putting it on paper and then being able to reflect on the quality of our thought process. So like one learning for me, and we're, sometimes you kind of jump around in these conversations, um, these retroactive retrospectives. Um, one thing I learned about that is that we underestimated the power of exponential growth. Yeah. 
And like, and we are even in a business that, you know, we have not seen true, yeah. true exponential growth, but we have certainly seen compounding growth um, at ConvertKit in terms of the business. And so just realizing that like our calibration was off, mm-hmm. how quickly something grows once it takes off. And that's really fascinating to me. That's a good lesson for me in understanding um, big, big, big is a juvenile word there, but like big outcomes, you know, right. exponential outcomes are difficult to judge from the beginning. Yeah. Well, and let's use that to transition to what didn't go well. So one rule for retros that we always say is we make this transition and then you're always allowed to go back to the other category, you know, cause someone might not have spoken up yet or, or whatever. Um, so it's not like, Oh, nope, we're done with that. Um, but it is helpful to have some level of separation. And so I would put that under something that, that didn't go well, because when I think about my experience or my, my career, like I've spent a lot of time studying exponential growth. Actually, as you go from like October through January, February, Time frame. I was making all kinds of spreadsheets about exponential growth. I was thinking about free plans. I was thinking about virality. I was thinking about, you know, all of these things. That's where my head was, right? Because we're launching a free plan. We're trying to see how can all this work. What are the conversion rates? What what is the K factor that actually comes from the study of viral diseases? And even being fully immersed in that world, I got it wrong as to how big, like the virus actually like the fact that it was compounding at 20 to 30% a day was just even still mind blowing to me. And so how that played out was, you know, I was the person canceling craft and commerce in the early days. Who's like, nah, I don't, I think we're still going to be able to have it. You know, that's why it was so helpful to write down the thinking. Cause then two weeks later it was like, I was dead wrong, <laughs> you know, but I have that thought of like, what are the areas where you knew better mm. or where your past life experience should have giving you more insight than it actually did. Yeah. And yes, it was a once in a hundred year pandemic or, or world event. So it's not like I'm beating myself up about it. I'm just making a note of it and saying, okay, my thinking could have been more clear. Right. And I think, um, one insight that draws out for me is this idea that all models are wrong and some models are useful. And in this case, modeling is a more effective way to have understanding than trying to do it in your head (laughs) because our heads don't we don't have a reason to be able to process exponential numbers like that, but you put it in a spreadsheet and you say, okay, so if we're starting here and the replication rate is this over this period of time, then here's what we'll see. And, uh, and that would have probably spelled it out more clearly. It wouldn't have been right, but it would have been directionally correct as compared to saying like, well, we're at a few hundred today. So a few thousand would be a lot, right? Right. That's an order of magnitude more. Yeah. Um, other things that didn't go well, Uh, I don't know if I would say it didn't go well, but so I think we achieved the intent we had with this show. It was being there as a steady voice in a time of uncertainty for a community of people we care deeply about. Uh, We joked kind of behind the scenes of like the Mr. Rogers for creators of just kind of the steady, present um, daily voice to give you an anchor to get through this period of time. We said we were going to do it eight weeks or until the end of May-ish as our, our initial commitment. And Now I think we're thinking, no, now we are thinking a lot about how will we measure our continued investment in this show? What is it that we want now? Because this is actually a new beginning of the show. We're transitioning from be alongside people during this early period of kind of crisis. Now we're transitioning into new normal. So what's the outcome we want? And we spent a lot of time over the past week or so talking about that. 
But one thing that I think we could have done better is really promoting this show and trying yeah. to get a wider listenership. Uh, the reality is that our time in our roles in this company makes each hour very valuable. It, it means that each one needs to have a lot of leverage in order for us to uh, really serve the team in the way that we need to. And in a lot of ways, this show has served that purpose. But for us to continue to invest that time, we need to make sure our thinking is clear and that we're not continuing to just show up, but also that we're showing up well as we have and promoting it so that it can impact more and more creators over time. Yeah, I would put that into the category of not taking our own advice. Like the first thing is, you know, we were joking in a couple episodes ago, we were talking about if you don't put the goals down on a spreadsheet, how do you ever expect them to come true? Because that is the approach that we take in so many things. And we didn't at all with this show, which it was okay, like in the first three or four weeks. Like that's totally fine, right? Launch, go, show up consistently. Like that's so important as a creator. But one thing that we didn't do well is have a clear idea of what the end state was. What are we working towards? What does success look like? And, you know, I think about if I was on the outside coming in and like giving advice to Nathan and, and Barrett running the show, what I would say, and I would say, well, did you spend as much time promoting it as you did making it? No. Oh, you spend 10 times as much time making it as you do promoting it? Well, like, okay, no wonder you're only getting however many thousand downloads. And, and then the other thing that I would say is, really know what success looks like and how it fits into the ecosystem long-term. And you don't have to know that from day one, but in hindsight, I would have figured it out sooner. Like we're figuring it out this week and I would have figured it out three or four weeks ago and had a better plan of how it plays into um, the rest of our strategy, especially because we have a lot, like we're getting a thousand new email subscribers joining our list every single day. Like the audience is growing really quickly, but we're not we're not connecting these things. We're actually creating more content across the ConvertKit ecosystem than we ever have. And yet we're still not getting the level of attention that, that we should. Yeah. One way that um, uh, Teddy Williams, who's a listener uh, often here live, he did a thread about this show the other day on Twitter. And he said that in a way, ConvertKit's kind of creating the equivalent of a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe, but for creators. Mm -hmm. And I really loved that analogy. It actually helped me think a little bit about what it is that we're trying to do here, because that does capture a lot of the intent, but it puts it in a term people really understand because they've seen that play out now on the big screen and how it all works together. One of my insights was that we have deep connection to the creator community as individuals on our team. A lot of people on this team are creators. They have friends who are creators. They live in the ecosystem outside of work. But as a brand, while we reach a lot of people, we don't like really build this super strong connection between the brand and each individual creator who is on our platform, using our software, on our email list. And so I'm really interested in that as an opportunity. With a thousand new people, signing up every day with a hundred thousand people now using ConvertKit, the tool, right. um, which is a big, I mean, that's gone well. We now have a hundred thousand people <laughs> using ConvertKit, uh, yeah. which is incredible. The magnitude of impact for a show like this should be quite large. You know, we should be aiming quite high. We talked about a hundred thousand downloads an episode at some point in the future, because if you play that out over a long period of time, I mean, we'll have a million people using the platform within 18 months or something mm -hmm. like that. I don't know if that's actually how it'll play out, but something like that. So we should be thinking about making a show that is deserving of that many listeners every time we go right. on air. 
Yeah. So that brings up another thing of iterating on quality. I think that we, like we were talking about even our learning curve. One, one thing that went really well is we jumped into action. We, we had this recording equipment because, you know, we've been planning to start a podcast for a long time. We had it sitting around. It was in the boxes that it came in. I, I knew the Amazon box that it came in. I hadn't even opened it because there's no need to open it. I, I knew what was inside it. And so this show, like uh, right up until the first episode, you like minutes before going live with the first episode, we're like, why isn't my mic working? Barrett, <laughs> Barrett, how do I, <laughs> what do I do? And so we leveled up our own production really quickly and we figured out a bunch of things and, and uh, we're really happy with how it sounds. We learned a lot, but then we just stayed at that level. We didn't keep pushing that envelope and figuring out, okay, this week, what's the one thing, you know, uh, we're still using zoom for example, for the live cast and, and, uh, it works well, but we could do better. And so that's thinking of, I must think like, what's the thing you're going to learn or improve each month. Great. You did that step function now ease, like get comfortable with that. And then the next month it's like, okay, we're leveling up in this way. We're getting more people on the live stream or, you know, whatever it is. And we, I guess we're only missing one of the, if we're doing it once a month, right? We're only two months into this. So we'll cut ourselves some slack there. Right. But it's almost thinking of like, we're capable of more and let's keep raising the bar. Right. And some of that comes from this idea of given what we know now, what's the show we wished existed when we were getting started as creators. Mm -hmm. And this show, this kind of like talk format from a couple of experts, this did exist. You know, it was different people, but there were voices at the time and, and we grew and we learned from that. And I think that's valuable. I think there's a reason that um, we can show up and leverage our background and our experience to share what we know, that it's very much in line with our core values as a, as a team and company. And we know we're actually capable of delivering even more value that if we pick some different formats or really push ourselves on topics or do some more research for every episode, we could be something even better. It could be even more impactful for every time we go on the air um, for each of our listeners. And I think that's kind of interesting. You know, it's, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, do we want to set the bar that high? Cause I think we should, but that's a lot of work and that, da, 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 da. But that's absolutely what we want to be doing. We want to be learning as creators along the way. Why wouldn't we? You know, it's continuing our journey. Right. Another thing that I think didn't go well or, or could have gone better is, well, one thing we said was good, right? Was that we, we were able to step up, give our team space, um, carry a lot of the burden from the company. But I think um, we made a crucial mistake in that. I think what we should have done is everything that we did, and said, okay, we're going to carry the company as much as we can and push everything forward in this time. And I think in addition to that, we should have asked the team, said, hey, if you need space right now, we want to create all that space. But if you're someone who has creative energy right now and you want to step up with us and help carry everything else, like to offer that invitation. Because we didn't burn out, but we got close. Yes, there were plenty of weeks where we would get to the end of the week and go, wow, we're tired. And I think that um, <laughs> we're making these Marvel Universe jokes, but we like stepped into the hero will carry the burden for everybody a little bit too much. And I think there are plenty of people on our team that if we'd offered that invitation to them, they would have stepped up and created that space for other team members who had like a huge life disruption, whether they're stranded in a city or... Um, you know, have kids at home suddenly or all this other stuff. Um, 
who really need to take a step back. And so we're like, we're going to carry all of that for you. I think we could have done a better job of inviting more people along with us. Yeah. One of our board members, um, Kieran Snyder, she's the CEO of Textio, had a great thread the other day on this. What'd she say? It was basically like, look, everyone's energy changes day to day. You, even as the leader of the company, are not going to wake up each day feeling the same amount of uh, ability to um, apply energy to your business. And that's going to be true for every teammate. And so part of what we have to do is on the days we're feeling the energy is pick up the slack for one another. And on the days we're not, give ourselves grace. But the balance across the whole team, this is exactly getting to your point, will make up for it because mm-hmm. everyone's going to be up and down on different days. And maybe some days there's more people down than up. But on average, if everyone really leans in on the days when they're able and then really takes the time when they need to, you're going to be okay. And we've got to understand that as leaders. And so I think that's that's a great learning. I think we, we are learning that collectively right now uh, together and then amongst the leadership team that actually there's a lot of people in the company who want responsibility. Mm-hmm. And if we will let go of that and give it, then people will step up. And that's, ex- I mean, obviously that's exciting. Um, and it's a huge, huge opportunity for us to grow as leaders, you know, letting go of some things. Yeah. So that kind of made the transition to this third category of what would we change or, or what did we learn? I think what did we learn is kind of, it's like, what did we learn that, and then what parts of it do we want to apply going yeah. forward? And I think that's a great one of like, to accomplish the goals and level that we want to, it's got to be more than us. We can't take care of everybody. We need to offer that invitation and have more people to go alongside us. I think another thing that I learned, and this is from what went well, is to just keep taking decisive action. I think in other times, there's all these analogies of like peacetime CEOs versus wartime CEOs. And I'm like, I have thoughts on that. Of like, this is business, <laughs> not war. Like, I, yeah. But some part of the analogy stands of like, um, you know, the way that we make decisions and deliberate when we feel like we have all the time in the world versus when we're in a crisis. And I think that as a company, we we're ending up much more in the consensus building. We all think this is a good idea, right? You know, like moving along in that way, which is funny. I think a lot of people think of ConvertKit as moving very decisively. And we think of ourselves as moving a bit slowly. And uh, I think this showed us that no, we do have good intuition. We do know what the right thing to do is and we do follow a good process. So keep making decisive decisions and taking action quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we did a pretty good job of using data to inform those decisions. You know, yeah. we, we trusted our gut, but we got inputs first. You know, we did mm-hmm. get inputs from the team, from data, uh, from the outside world. And then we said, okay, given those things and that we won't ever have perfect information, what do we think we should do? And that's been a good learning for me. It's definitely felt like we have increased the pace of progress at the company and the pace of our learning as a result of that over the past right. eight or 10 weeks. So more of that definitely sounds like a good thing to me. Yeah, I'm trying to think what other changes. I mean, one of them is I want uh, setting an example for the team, for our customers once is great, but doing it continuously is mm-hmm. better. And so the show being a great example of that, where we wanted to get out in front and lead and show the team how to respond to a time of need, crisis, whatever you want to call it. And now we can use the show as a way to continue doing that. Look, now we're going to get even better at, at our craft. We're going to produce higher quality, um, streams. We're going to have higher quality content and research that goes into it. That's exciting to me because that continues to show the way forward. I had another one. I forgot it. 
I think another thing I want to carry forward is that that quick action. It's like the quick action combined with the long-term execution. Mm-hmm. Cause it'd be really easy to take like the show, for example, and go, <laughs> apparently all of our analogies come to this show, but, um, to say like, we launched it quickly. That was perfect for time. And now we shut it down. And I was thinking about all the people who have reached a level of success, right? We're talking about Joe Rogan a lot lately in the success of his podcast or someone like a Tim Ferriss. It's kind of like they showed up for a very long time. And so that example that we want to keep setting going forward is, sticking with something. So it really builds that momentum. And I think that it's just a good reminder of yes, move quickly and then follow through to, to see the long-term results. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, we are out of time. That's an example of a retro. Um, typically you might have a retro go anywhere from 30 to maybe even 90 minutes. Uh, it's really good to scope it. Well, you know, we kind of did a broad what's gone well, what's not gone well over the last eight or 10 weeks as a whole company, but we could have easily just done a conversation about only this podcast. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, the more specific you can be the better, uh, because there can be really rich learnings when you have one little slice to analyze quite closely but we definitely recommend combining that with a higher level retro every once in a while, because it allows you to get that whatever 30,000 foot view or, or however you want to refer to it. With that in mind, do, 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 do creator of the day. It was a short, it was a short one today. It was a short one. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, on that short note, we just have one creator and one resource of the day. Barrett, you put them in the document and, uh, you know, this is a creator that you've been following for a long time. So I'm yes. you. Well, I have already highlighted her work. Her name is Shannon Wild. This is actually a repeat creator of the day. However, there is a very good reason for it. Uh, Shannon Wild is a cinematographer and photographer with National Geographic. She's also the founder and creator of Shannon Wild Jewelry, which supports um, uh, conservation causes around the world. Tomorrow, Super excited about this. Our weekly creator session is with Shannon. Uh, She's going to be on, uh, we're premiering it. So these are not live broadcasts. They're premieres of very recently completed interviews and performances. But Shannon's going to be sharing her perspective behind how she got into this field of work, why it matters to her, why conservation is personal, what she's learned about animals, and a bunch of other great stuff. To me, photography is some of the most powerful uh, visual aids that we have in the world. It's, it's storytelling in a photo, you know, the, the old classic cliche of a picture is worth a thousand words, but Shannon's really talented and she's got a lot to share. So I hope you'll tune in. Uh, there's a short link for this, but I'm just going to grab this link and put it in the chat in case you want to join us. And you'll be able to find that even if you don't catch this live, it's going live on Friday, May 22nd is when everyone will be in the chat on the premiere. But even if you catch it later, you can find it on our YouTube channel. The other resource I wanted to highlight real quick, um, we just launched the new convertkit.com homepage. Nothing for you to do necessarily, because I assume you already know about us if you're listening to this podcast, but go check it out. I think it's a really great celebration of creators. Um, I think it captures the spirit of who we are as a company really well. And it tells the stories of a few people that we're really big fans of in our customer base. So um, I hope you'll check it out. Uh, The team put a lot of hard work into it. Yeah, I'm really proud of that homepage mainly because it it has this blend of product and storytelling and featuring our customers that we've always been trying to find this balance. And I think it nails it. And uh, Charlie, who's been on the show, really nailed it with the uh, homepage animation of telling Eric's story, who's been one of our featured creators before. Um, so as we wrap up, I just want to leave you with one thought, and that is uh, to do retros. 
you've been learning a lot. As a creator, you're constantly learning. And so have a regular cadence, whether it's every 60 days, 90 days, something like that, where you take a step back for an hour and whether it's just by yourself with a journal or with your mastermind group um, or with a friend to help interview and push you on some questions, lock in those learnings and actually document it and have that so that next year you can look in and go, oh, that's when I learned that. Or, you know, you can even say, oh, this is what I've learned on that topic since then. So take the time to do a retro. Uh, you can follow your own format. Uh, I hope this one was helpful. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow for Q&A Friday. Q&A Friday, tweet us with your questions so we have them ahead of time and you'll go straight to the front of the line. That's right. All right, we'll see you all later. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today. Yeah.